Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast here. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners have a couple weeks now left to go before their uh, big Orange Bowl matchup with the Alabama Crimson Tide in the college football playoff. So uh, in between now and then is uh, the kind of early signing day that we have now in college football. So I invited uh, Josh McQuestion of Soonerscoop.com to come on. We talked to Josh uh, pretty frequently about the status of all things OU recruiting. So I uh, wanted to go ahead and uh, get him on before uh, OU signs its next uh, batch of players. So let's welcome him on. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm great, Alan, as always. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course. Hey, so one thing I wanted to ask about, I actually heard uh, your colleague there, Mike Farrell at Rivals, uh, talking about this uh, earlier today. He was asked, you know, about uh, really kind of how Oklahoma's defensive recruiting in the past has tied into whatever kind of defensive problems the Sooners have had this year, and obviously they've been legion for really for two years now. Uh, so I was just wondering about your take. I know you're you're probably even a little bit closer to the situation, obviously, than Mike. I mean, you know, what are your thoughts there? Well, you know, I, I didn't hear all of what Mike had to say, but just kind of going off what you led me with, it, I can understand some of the belief in that. I, I think really over the last couple of years, you've seen Oklahoma's defensive recruiting take a sharp upswing. But those guys are freshmen, sophomores. They're largely not going to, A, be the leadership of your team, and B, are not all going to unanimously be ready to help your team. So I think there's something to that. I I will say my biggest problem, and we've talked about this before on the podcast when it came to Oklahoma recruiting, is there was a clear lack of identity. What did Oklahoma want to be? Did they want to be a four-man front? Did they want to be a three-down front? Like there There was never any clear idea and it seemed like, well, since we don't really know, we'll just be multiple. Well, that that's great in the NFL when you have unlimited time and there's all these things you can do for installation. You're dealing with a bunch of pros and the best of the best. But this is college. Th- those things, there are all sorts of rules and all sorts of time constraints. And I just I don't know how realistic that ever was. So I think you got a lot of guys. You know, one of my favorite ones is the point to last year is DJ Ward. DJ Ward worked his tail off to get to become basically an undersized 3-4 defensive end at about 270 pounds. That was never going to suit his game. It was never going to be a good fit. And the kid did the best he could. It's not his fault. He was a good player and probably would have been a pretty good 4-3 defensive end. But, you know, and, and I guess that was fine in the first few years under Mike when they kind of made that switch to that three down front because – you, you can't just live in a vacuum and say, well, we're going to get rid of all these guys, and now we're bringing in three, four personnel. Like, there has to be some growing pain. But three or four years in, Oklahoma still would recruit guys that didn't really fit the system they were making. And a perfect example is Caleb Kelly. I mean, mm-hmm. Caleb Kelly, for all his talent, Oklahoma could never really find a way to make him fit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and one, one area where – you know, I think that that Mike probably Mike Stoops said his part. Me probably got a little bit too much grief. I think is that you know he was always it seemed to me uh, scheming and, and and kind of setting up the defense to work with what he had as opposed to you know kind of trying to make the best of it so that OU would stay competitive. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where a lot of times you know you see these programs they kind of have to. Uh, set fire to the, to everything, you know, kind of tear down the house and then start over. Mike was always, you know, never really had that kind of opportunity because of the expectation was still for Bob, you know, I mean, we, we still can be competitive now. So, you know, I think that that 
leads into the next question, though, which is, uh, you know, are you hearing anything about the defensive coordinator and where things might be heading there? Well, and to your original point, I agree. I, I think there might have been some point where, and especially now that you look back at it in retrospect, where you said, maybe we just take this lump for a year, that it's just yeah. going to be ugly, we're going to have to deal with this, and then we can fully commit to what we want to be, rather than, okay, we've got three, four years of just being a mutt. And you know, yeah. I, and I, I agree completely. I think there needed to be, uh, and again, it's easy to say in retrospect, but I, I think there was probably always a call to just saying we've got to commit to something and this may be ugly, but it's going to be better than multiple years of ugly. So, you know, but, but anyway, as far as the defensive coordinator opening, I mean, it's still pretty much the same thing. And it's really interesting. The thought processes that go into this, because I had something on our board on uh, over the weekend, kind of had had some conversations with some Ohio State people, some Alabama people, some kind of unaffiliated. And there's a few things that kind of came out. First, Pete Golding turning down the old Miss job and that job eventually going to Mike McIntyre is big news for Oklahoma. The thing that's you don't know what to make of it is the fact that Oklahoma hasn't made any higher. Does that does that lead you to Pete Golding? I mean, does that make you feel like, okay, that makes some sense? Because obviously if it is Pete Golding, Oklahoma cannot announce that. And Pete Golding cannot announce that. Mm-hmm. And really even, I don't, it depends on how far they got down the negotiation trail before, before the game was announced to even say that that was, you know, that that even could be announced uh, in any capacity or even could be finalized privately. So there's there's a lot kind of in play there. But like I said, the fact that we're a week on and nothing really has come to pass, it kind of makes you wonder if all that golding stuff, there is some you know fire for the smoke. So um, the other guy that's always been talked about is Alex Grinch, the uh, co-defensive coordinator, Ohio State. Grinch makes a lot of sense to me, and I really had about given up on him when the Urban Meyer news came out because you thought, okay, well... Ryan Day's a young guy. He's going to bring in Grinch. Grinch is going to be his DC. They'll they'll work together. That's going to be a natural fit. And even our guy Kerry Murdoch had broken some news that those two share the same agent. And so there was, you know, there's always that affiliation that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you've got an agent that is obviously going to help try to help Ryan Day, and in his own, you know, and secondarily help Grinch as well because there's just more money in helping Ryan Day. So. Um, but as I've talked to people, I don't think Shiano just being gone is, should be assumed. Just talking to some different people around the Ohio State program, it just sounds like when the whole thing happened with Urban Meyer and Zach Smith in, in the late summer, it was Shiano that Day kind of leaned on, that he was really a big piece of that puzzle. And so it makes you wonder if maybe that's not just something he's going to, you know, he's not going to just throw Shiano out on his, on his back. So... We'll see what happens. That's really interesting. But I I will say, having talked to some people, if Shiano stays, I get the impression that not that they're warring adversaries or anything, but maybe Grinch would like to do his own thing. And that might give OU a better chance, especially when you consider that Grinch worked under Mike Leach for so long. And obviously, Leach and Riley have a relationship. But outside of the, it's really interesting because if you made me guess the favorite, I would say Grinch based on what I just told you. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you made me pick Grinch or Golding, who have clearly been the two names that, that 
I think we can all safely assume OU has had at least that has expressed some interest in. I would still probably pick the field against those two because I just I don't know that I definitely see them coming because there's hurdles in both cases. So, like I said, we'll see what happens. But I I I mean. I think it's hard to overstate how important of a hire this is for Oklahoma, and it's one Lincoln Riley really needs to get right. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that I found interesting was that Football Scoop, you know, reported uh, about a week ago or so that uh, Golding was going to stay at Alabama. Now, uh, that, I think, preceded all the stuff, uh, you know, that that happened apparently with whatever happened with Ole Miss. Um, But, you know, that part, that kind of made me wonder about if Golding, you know, just thinks that he's better off staying at Alabama for a couple of years or what have you, but, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting though to me that Golding is such a hot name all of a sudden. You know, I mean, he's you know I, I realize that he's a, a you know co-defensive coordinator under Nick Saban, but he's only been there a year, right? I mean, he's only had his own show uh, really one time, uh, you know, on the FBS level at uh, there at Texas San Antonio. Uh, that that's absolutely right. He spent, I believe, two years at UTSA as play caller, and then one year, obviously, at Alabama. Now, it does go to say that Nick Saban clearly saw something in the guy. Yeah. So people are immediately going to give that credibility, and I think it's it's becoming the same way with Lincoln Riley. Like it amazes me that we're not hearing more of OU's offensive coaches, somebody wanting to hire them as their OC. I keep waiting to hear Kel Gundy's name pop up mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, um, but. You know, I, I think with Saban, there's so much credibility in what he does defensively. And then when you add in that Golding has proven that he is a very skilled recruiter, he's had a very big hand in several of Alabama's top targets. Uh, and now, recruiting to Alabama right now is not exactly <laughs> yeah. the hardest thing on earth, especially for defensive players. So, I mean, there's, you have to take a lot into consideration. But, you know, you and I had talked a little earlier this week, Alan, and I— I had had um, a conversation with someone just kind of, you know, what do you think of the guy? Is he, you know, is he worth all this? And I, I certainly won't say that someone said, yeah, he's worth $1.5 million a year, which is what I'm told Ole Miss was their final offer to him. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't say that, but there certainly was a, this guy could be the next thing. Like this guy is a potential star and you can't help but wonder if Lincoln Riley is kind of looking for the same guy that Bob Stoops was looking for, and clearly we all now know found at East Carolina four years ago. So, like I said, I think that's really interesting to follow. If Lincoln Riley feels like he's found kind of a young kindred spirit, you know, uh, Golding's a very young guy like himself, got a young family, um, all of those things. And uh, again, I mean, I know people say, well, why would you leave Alabama? You're the co-DC. Obviously, Alabama could pay you more money. Alabama's not going to pay their co-DC more than what OU is willing to pay their defensive coordinator. Like, I, you know, it's just not going to happen because if they bump Golding, then they have to bump Tosh as well, and that that's just inevitable. So I think that's just an interesting aspect to follow. But like I said, with Golding – the longer this goes out, the more I think the potential of Golding is real, I guess would be the way to say that. And it's so weird because it's so contrary to what would make sense. But this is such a unique situation between Alabama and Oklahoma that I frankly don't have anything to compare it to. And I don't know that many do. 
Yeah, you know, uh, what do you do if you if you hire Alabama's defensive coordinator when you're getting ready to play them? You know, I mean, it's well, such a weird deal. It's like I kept talking about, you know, like last year when Tennessee hired Jeremy Pruitt. Well, Jeremy Pruitt was recruiting for Tennessee and working uh, yeah. for Alabama in game prep. Well, what do you think Lincoln Riley does if that scenario plays out here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pete, I need you recruiting all night, every night, as often as I can get you. I need you recruiting all day, every day. Well, how Nick's going to realize what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no. So, I mean, like, the, it's it's a really, really unique situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I guess kind of, you know, heading into this er- er- earlier signing period, you know, uh, here coming up pretty quick, how much is it hurting Oklahoma not having a defensive coordinator? It's a great question because – to me, it's about degree because I, I have been, and I've said it on Twitter, I've said it on the board, I am amazed at what Oklahoma has done to hold this defensive class together because, let's face it, there is a possibility that not a single defensive staff member is back on this staff next year. I mean, yeah. I don't know that I fully believe that's the way it plays out, but there's a chance. I mean, it, it's and it's completely realistic. So, and there is... You know, we don't even have to doubt it. There is no defensive coordinator. Whoever is calling the shots is not currently on campus. Yeah. Um, you know, I and I, I guess I struggle with that because OU's never just come out and said it. But I, I think we would all just be absolutely stunned if Ruffin McNeil to DC next year. Right. Um. But with that being said, when I talk, you know, I talked to Jeremiah Cradell, who OU was in home with last night. Um. And he admitted that the defensive coordinator, it's an interesting conversation. You know, he kind of wouldn't go into detail about how exactly OU presented it and that kind of thing. But you can tell it was like, I I don't know what to do with that. But at the same time, I think if Cradell picked today, he'd pick Oklahoma. Um, Marcus Stripling, the Rivals 250 defensive end out of Houston, he'd be, he's probably going to pick Oklahoma next Wednesday. Like, they are – looking at standing landing some of their best defensive recruits with no defensive coordinator. And I think it just, it says a lot about what Lincoln Riley has done. And I think, I think Lincoln Riley knew it because every time I would talk to a guy, you know, I'd talk, well, who's your lead recruiter? And a lot of guys would have their position coach, but never did I get past the second guy I mentioned. And it wasn't Lincoln Riley. I mean, that always came up. He was always a functional part of every single guy I talked to. So I think that's that's really been the key part of it in Oklahoma holding this together and continuing to build because I think a lot of these defensive guys know that while yeah, you know, it was going to be great to be at Oklahoma and we liked coach Mike and all those sort of things, Oklahoma gets to say we know this hasn't been good enough. You know, as soon as Mike left, they could own it all. They could say it hasn't been good enough. We know it. We know Whatever we've said in the past, we've said, but we know it's not good enough. We're going to fix this. And so the kids get to buy into, okay, well, Oklahoma's defense has been terrible, and they've gone to the playoff three of the last four years, and now they're going to fix it. Now we're going to be great, and we're going to, you know, we're going to go to the NFL just like the offensive guys and yada, yada, yada. So there's something to build on, but it is incredibly open-ended. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, for the people who don't follow recruiting quite so closely, you know, you mentioned uh, how prominent a role Lincoln Riley plays, is playing with all these guys. I mean, how, I guess, uncommon or common is that 
uh, in recruiting today where you have the head coach who's so so, so hands-on? I It's pretty unique. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's happening more and more, and you see guys that will commit to it and those kind of things. I still think to this day that the reality that this is needed is a big part of why Bob Stoops is no longer the head coach at Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, I, I, he didn't want to do this stuff. And Lincoln Riley's young and energetic, and he has the time, and he saw – I mean, who are the best, pretty much unanimously, you can say they're going to be in the top three or four classes in the country every year, Ohio State and Alabama. And it's part of it is is territorial, and I get all that, but part of it also is that Urban Meyer and Nick Saban will recruit, recruit, recruit. They will do whatever they need to do to land a guy. Um, you know, we've all seen a video of super Captain No Fun Nick Saban dancing in a recruit's living room. Like, <laughs> yeah, the electric if Nick slide. <laughs> Sa- yeah, if Nick Saban will sell out to it, you better do the same. Like, I mean, that just that's the way that is because he's already selling something better than what you have to sell. So, um, and so I, I think it's becoming more normal, but Riley is not only very, because, um, you know, it's one thing to be an active recruiter and to do the work and hit the pavement and all that stuff. It's another thing to be really good at it, and he's really, really good at it. I mean, you can look back to when he was OC and some of the guys they closed on. I mean, they they, they closed on A.D. Miller over four or five other power options within like a week. You know, I mean, just there, there it's there's no doubt that he is a top-shelf recruiter, um, has gone up against some of the biggest of the bigs, and I think, like I said earlier, that's what he's trying to find on the defensive side of the ball is a guy who kids will rally to like they rally to him. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, right after he was hired, I mean, they put him to work, you know. So, uh, you know, that that was uh, definitely funny to funny to see play out. But I guess one other question actually just came to me while you were talking about that, though, is if Riley is this, you know, kind of involved in, in recruiting these guys, closing on these guys, how much does he get involved then with the with the evaluations? You know, I mean, I know that different different programs do that differently. You know, I mean, you got some some players or some places where the coaches take uh, you know put a lot of stock in what the position coaches say. Other cases, you've got them you know maybe pushing back at times. I mean, I, I guess how involved do you think Riley is in that part of it? Oh, he absolutely is involved. I mean that that's. And to me, again, and I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's so topical with Oklahoma right now. I think that's what he wants and why he wants the defensive coordinator to be a big hit, to be a hire that he can believe in, so he can just leave that side of the ball. Like, I don't have to mess with you. I want to run my offense. I want to run recruiting. And I'll, I'll let you worry about what we're doing on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there's not going to be cohesion there because there's got to be. They've got to work together. I just mean from the idea of, He's got so much on his plate already as a head coach that he is also the offensive coordinator, that he also is a massively um, time-engaged recruiter, that he doesn't need to be sitting in on defensive meetings if he can avoid it, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, and, you know, as far as uh, – now, Alan, you have to forgive me. Kind of run me back on what you asked because I get so attracted on my own question. Oh yeah, no problem. So I guess my question was more, you know, how involved is he in getting these yeah. evaluations done? Sure, sure. Sorry, totally got yeah. sidetracked there. No, um, he's definitely got a hand in it. I mean, that you know, I, I can tell you that frequently the staff will get together, they'll go over some tapes, they'll look, you know, and I don't know. I wouldn't pretend that I know. Well, they they pick ten guys a day or every Wednesday at ten o'clock. I don't know when that is, but I can say frequently 
they sit down and, you know, okay, we want to look at this guy from Alabama. We want to look at this guy. And there is something that they all go over at the staff. And obviously Lincoln has a huge role in that. Now I think as you know, is any good staff and he's a quality head coach. He like, if a guy that has seen the kid in person has dealt with him, has talked to him and he really likes the kid and it's his position and he's going to live with that choice either way. And he really stands on the table for a kid. I think Lincoln defers, you know, okay, I, I, I believe in what you see. I, you know, I'm going to trust you to make the right call on this. And, uh, you know, a good example, and I brought him up um, a lot this year is Derek Green. I, I can tell you that there are pieces of that staff that, um, you know, there, there's question marks about him, that they're, they're still figuring out how they see him fitting into their plans. But I know that Ruffin McNeil has been very adamant about this being a guy that he wants and that he had stood behind and he knows the kid well and, um, you know, all of these things. So it's it's one of those things to me where it gets really interesting, Alan, and I may be – I hope I'm not taking away your next question. No. What I think is really interesting is with all this going on defensively and yet you see OU making new offers and doing different things and, well, who's making that call? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, you know, if it's Lincoln and say, say it's the opposite of what I'm talking about, where a position coach is like, I'm not sure about that guy, but Lincoln really likes him. Well, what message are you sending to that position coach? Bingo. Yeah. And on the flip side, if you do listen to him, well then, you know, like, okay, or is he part of the plan? Are you going to give him that impression? I mean, it's, I, I said this last week on our pod, this is so hard to follow defensively because there are 20 different ways to look at every single decision that you see Mm -hmm. being made. Mm -hmm. And it's, and you don't know what the breaking points are. You don't know why this is being done. If there's a secondary, you know, kind of reality to it. So there, like I said, it's, it's as fun as anything I've had to watch, but it's also really difficult to gauge. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, going going back real quick. Have you ever read Bruce Feldman's book, uh, Meat Market, about uh, that year he spent with Ed Orgeron at Ole Miss? No, it's one of those books that I've like. I'm like, okay, the next time I have, you know, a yeah. slow period, the summer slows down, I'm going to really get into that book. And I've never done it. I like Bruce Feldman's work, so I know I would enjoy it. I've just never actually made myself do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, but he he goes gets into the whole evaluation process and you know goes through and obviously I mean you know Orgeron was a disaster at Ole Miss and you know some people might tell you that he's really not doing all that well at LSU either. But long story short, it talks about how much or how just an animal, how much of an animal he is on the uh, recruiting trail and just the the scenes that he did, you know, the behind the scenes stuff there where what the staff is talking about different recruits and whatnot. I mean. Is really fascinating. That's the kind of stuff that I think you don't necessarily get, um, you know, as an outsider. You know, when these guys are signing, so it's it's interesting. Anyway, just a just a recommendation for you folks out there. Um, so, uh, you know, looking ahead to uh, next week, who are some of the big names to follow? I mean, you know, who are some of the guys that uh, are you're sure are going to be signing that OU still has a, uh, you know, kind of a shot with? Well. Sure of signing is pretty debatable. Uh, the one guy I would say I'm pretty confident he's going to commit and he's going to sign is Marcus Stripling. Um, I feel really good about OU chances. He is the defensive end from the Katy, Texas area. A uh, guy that OU offered very early on has been one of their key targets for a long, long time. And frankly, 
I can think of at least half a dozen times where I said, oh, you should just walk away from this guy. They're not going to get him. They're not going to land him. And now, you know, to their credit, after all this time, it kind of looks like they are. Um, I think there has been some good fortune. I think numbers have filled up at a few of the schools he was pretty serious about, kind of namely A&M and LSU. But I think Oklahoma's in good shape. Now, people, I went and saw him live about a month ago. And people kind of reacted negatively to some of the video they saw. He is very raw. He is a guy that's going to need time. So, you know, if you see people out, you know, if people listening see somebody say, oh, he's not that good, he's going to need time. But you're talking about a 6'3 guy that can run, has some natural pass rushing ability, and a big kind of wide frame. I mean, he'll play 255, 260 without too much trouble in college. He's going to he's got a chance to be a very good player and be one of those guys that these schools kind of wish they wouldn't have jumped on. But at the same time, it's going to take a little time. I don't think he's a guy that's ready to play in 2019 and make a difference. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, another guy that's going to be really worth watching is Jeremiah Cradell, who I mentioned earlier as well as Stripling. Uh, defensive back from Modern Day, probably looking at back-to-back national championships at Modern Day. Um, just an immensely talented program. They're their 2020 class has three guys that have Oklahoma offers already, including their quarterback uh, and two defensive backs, um, uh, including uh, Darian Green-Warren, who is already committed to OU in the 2020 class. So um, Cradell, Oklahoma, like I said earlier, didn't end home with him last night. I got the impression everything went very, very well. Uh, there's still obviously the hurdles for him of just, you know, Oklahoma's rooting against Oregon and Florida State really in this one. So, Oregon has, you know, location. Mm-hmm. Florida State, obviously, Willie Taggart has a lot of connection on the West Coast. After all, you know, the, after spending a couple of years at Oregon, I was going to say all the years, but yeah. you know, <laughs> Willie Taggart doesn't stay anywhere that long. Um, so there, there's a lot to think about there. But obviously, you know, you look at the three schools and where they are right now. Oklahoma makes a lot of sense. But you also look at Florida State's turning out defensive backs right now. Yeah. Oregon, you know, while not outstanding defensively Oklahoma the problem with Oklahoma is their offense have been so good it shines such a light on the defense yeah that there's plenty of defenses that are just as bad but they don't have to live in the shadow of their offense so it all gets it becomes less about what how good the offense is and more about how bad the defense is yeah. and it, it just messes up the whole narrative um so he's another one. Uh, Jordan Battle, a defensive back from St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I really think he's going to choose between Ohio State or Alabama. But he hasn't given up on Oklahoma. They've been in home with him. So, I mean, there's, you know, crazier things have happened. He is the teammate of another OU commitment. So there are – that's probably some of the more notable ones. Um, How about some kids that might end up delaying signing and wait for the next uh, go-around? The one, and I spoke to him this weekend, and he kind of caught me off guard with it doing the interview with him, is EJ Doma Ogar, the longtime offensive line commitment from Allen. Um, uh, Allen, uh, Texas, in the Dallas area, for those that, like we've talked about, don't follow recruiting that closely. Um, EJ is a guy that's been worked on really hard by some SEC programs that for a long time kind of told him, oh, well, you know, you, if you want to come and be great and learn how to be physical, you got to go to the SEC and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of, and when he committed, he admitted that, you know, he kind of had to get that out of his head. And I'm not sure he ever really has. I mean, like, I, I, I think he loves Oklahoma and I think he gets it. I think he's seen 
that that's just not the case. I mean, you watch Oklahoma's offensive linemen, they're, and they're some of the most physical in the country. Mm-hmm. Cody Ford and Ben Powers, and I mean, those are guys you don't want to meet in a dark alley. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I think there has now become a storyline from several coaching staffs um, that Bill Bedenboe and Lincoln Riley are both going to be gone at the end of this year, and he's not going to ever play for them. And so there's, you know, and people like, oh, it's negative recruiting. It's just recruiting. That yeah. That's just, you know, like if you have a weapon, anybody that fools himself into thinking, oh, you wouldn't use that weapon if it was available to them, don't fool yourself. Like it's recruiting is recruiting. It's it's love and war. All is fair. So, um, so I think that's had a little bit of an impact, but he's the only guy that I'm kind of like, I, I think maybe he may not pull the trigger. And it's really interesting as an offensive lineman, Bill Bedenboe, maybe the best in the country. OU's churning out NFL guys right now, probably could possibly have four NFL draft picks off their current line, you know, next spring. So there it's, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but at the same time, he's a young kid and I get it. You know, there he's, he's getting a lot of tough pitches. And I, I think at some point it's, it's crept in for him a little bit, but if Bedenboe and Riley are still there, say he doesn't sign in this early period, and they're still there in February, he's not going anywhere. That that they can, I know Tennessee is really wanting to believe that they've got a chance, but unless something drastic happened to the coaching staff, I don't see him moving anywhere. All right, all right, interesting. Well, um, tell me, Josh, what do you guys got going on, on the side right now? Well, you know, right now, for everybody listening out there, we're still running our uh, $99 in free gear uh, promo. Um, basically, sign up, join it, get get access to all this information um, and plenty more that obviously Alan and I didn't have time to cover. And you will get $99 in gear to our fan shop, which includes Jordan brand gear, jerseys, hats. I've seen canopies. I just started looking for random stuff in our shop. They're, basically, <laughs> if it has OU on it, you can buy it in our store. So, um, you know, that, that's always, that's really our biggest promo we run all year. They've given it to us for an extended amount of time, but it, you know, if you have some questions, email me at josh at soonerscoop.com. I'll be happy to answer anything you need to know. Uh, and as far as the site, uh, kind of as far as newsworthy events, obviously we've got signing day coming up. I'm already working on content for signing day and leading up to signing day. And you add in that I'm going to make my first trip to the Under Armour All-American game this year, go cover the OU guys down there. Uh, Theo Weiss, Jaden Davis, Joseph Wete, uh, Jeremiah Cradell will be down there. So I may get a chance to talk to him as possibly OU's one of their more recent commitments at that point in time. Um, obviously going to be at Army. Our guys, Eddie, Bob, and Kerry, uh, will all be in Florida all week for the uh, the Orange Bowl lead up and the game itself. And, you know, obviously if, they, if OU moves past Alabama, they'll be in California as well. So it's it's a crazy time for news. And like I said, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. We're running this promo right now. And again, if you have any interest, want to talk to me about it or have questions, just Josh at soonerscoop.com and I will get back to you as quickly as I can. All right, man. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, absolutely. You know, thanks for a chance to pimp some stuff there. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Of course. Again, folks, that's Josh McQuishan of Soonerscoop.com. It's a fantastic resource for uh, Oklahoma Sooners fans. If you're not signed up, uh, I would rectify that immediately. Anyway, thanks again to Josh for joining us, and thanks to you for joining us as well. For the Blayton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>